Father God, we are grateful for the promises you give us, for the love that you give us, God, that we don't deserve, and yet you keep on giving it to us. We are so grateful for that, Lord. Thank you for the promises of your love and your gift of Jesus. Our ability to be here this morning, God, um, for the gift of life. We love you, Lord. We look forward to meeting with you today from up close and personal. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, you can go ahead and be seated. All right, get my stuff together here. I'll need that. I'll need that. Well, all right. I'm going to come down and join you for a second here. That's all right. I'll sit on the edge of the stage for a minute. The people in the back, oh, no, he didn't tell us. Hopefully the lighting's here. It's, if not, you know, my shirt's bright enough that you can see me anyway. So I've been back from Africa about three weeks now, the team, and, and Pastor Ron shared that we get a chance to share here after second service if you want to come back for that. But you know what struck me? We're talking about practicing mission with Jesus today as the next step of our series. And, and I can't help reflect, when you hear the word mission, uh, growing up that always meant to me going somewhere like Africa. And so having now been to Africa 12 times myself, um, that's been, uh, it's become a second home for me there. And uh, I reflected, it's so easy to be, uh, not to go on the mission, to be on mission in Africa. You wake up in the morning and the first thing you do is you're hearing strange noises and the mosque in a distance uh, is going and the dogs are barking and the roosters are crowing and it sounds a little bit like Nevada County, <laughs> at least the roosters and stuff, right? But this, the different smells and the whole thing and you wake up and the first thing you do is say, good morning, God. I wonder what you have for me today. I, I want to be available to be used by you today. I want to be ready to be stretched today, whatever you have. And then you live each second of, of that day with everybody you encounter ready to just do whatever he has for you, to be stretched, to be uncomfortable. It's why we're there. Things aren't convenient maybe. Things aren't easy maybe. But that's okay because we are there on God's mission. And so from, I would say, sun up to sundown, from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep, you're on mission. And I got to tell you, it's easy once you're there to do that. Your whole world is about living for God's purposes because that's why you went to Africa. And then you come back. And you're surrounded by a di very different world. And, uh, and so all of a sudden, we have hot water on demand, just flat out water on demand. You know, and we've got uh, good foods and we've got, uh, we've got all the conveniences we have. You know, your choices of lattes and cappuccinos just right there, right? You know, we have all the stuff and the things that, I'll be honest, get in the way. And all of a sudden, that mission, let me be honest, the same mission that God has for us here, it kind of fades away. It's so easy to have that in Africa, and it kind of becomes one of the many parts of our lives here in the U.S. I, I struggle with that every time I come back, and I ask myself, does it have to be this way? Does it have to change? Could it be the same? Should it be the same that I would wake up in the morning, even before I've had my morning coffee, and say, God, what do you have for me today? How do you want to use me today? What encounters might there be today, unexpected to me, but planned, ordained by you today? You have a mission. You have a purpose for me here today. We just don't go that way very often here in the U.S. And the mission becomes important to us and become aware of it. Maybe when we go to church, maybe your community group, maybe some time during prayer, reading the Bible, it gets impressed on you. But then the other stuff just gets in the way. And, uh, and maybe, just maybe, God has a different plan. And that, that, that if we took that attitude from the moment we got up and lived through the day that, and we saw each and every encounter as a possibility of what God may want to do in and through us, 
and it would be very, very different. That each breath that we took would be a breath that I inhale so that I can exhale and praise Jesus. So that I can exhale by, by giving a prayer or praying with somebody. That my exhale would be a word of encouragement for a friend, yes, but maybe even for, for a stranger. And then I would exhale and inhale the life of Jesus yet again. Now, I paint a picture that for some of you sounds intriguing, and some of you maybe it sounds a little intimidating, like, is that even possible? And some of you, it flat out sounds awful. John, I have to have that attitude before my morning coffee, you know? And, and then I run the risk of being one of those radical, extreme, religious people that everybody rolls their eyes at or flat out rejects and goes, oh boy, stay away from him, stay away from her. And I don't know if I want to go there. You might become that radical, extreme person. Or maybe you become that singular person who cares like no other and who loves like no other and who offers forgiveness and hope and, 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 and things indescribable like no other to the world around you. It's all discovering what it means to practice mission with Jesus on a moment-to-moment basis. And so three weeks back from Africa, yes, I'm convicted. It happens every time. Uh, that we come through here. And, and, and now let me step back. We've, we've been in this series, this great series about practicing the way of Jesus. And we said from the very beginning that, that we want to do three things. We want to be with Jesus, and we want to become like Jesus, and we want to do what Jesus did. And I want to tell you right now, as you, if you want to take your outline and follow along with, we've got a bunch of verses, and some of them are on the screen and won't be in your outline for space, and, and you can fill in some blanks as we go. But... Um, uh, we'll do our best to kind of stay together. Those three things, I want to say, those three things, um, they're three different things, but they aren't separate things we have to, that we have to try to remember and keep track of. See, here's how it works. Be with Jesus. Just simply, be with Jesus. And the more time we spend with him, the more we become like Jesus. It just happens. You know, if you start hanging out with a new friend, all of a sudden, as you spend more time with you, start realizing you kind of pick up some of the things that they say a little bit. And all of a sudden, you say it and go, well, that's what he says. That's what she says. The more you spend time with someone, the more you become like them. And that's what happens with Jesus. We spend time with him. As we're with him, we become more like him. There's a verse in Romans 13 that says, clothe yourselves with Christ. And I love this verse because you see, you spend so much time with Jesus, you get so close that you clothe yourself, not with Jesus's clothing. It's not saying put on the clothing of Jesus. It's clothe yourself with Christ. Put him on. What does that even look like? I'd like to find out. That's that opportunity and that possibility that's there. And as we become like Jesus in character, as we spend time with him, we inevitably do what Jesus did. Because what happens on the inside just starts coming out. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. The inside comes out and the character of Jesus shows up in our actions. Now, to be honest, sometimes our uh, our imitating Jesus looks more like little five-year-old Kevin. There was a mom who was preparing pancakes for her two kids, Kevin, who's five years old, and Ryan, who's three. And the boys begin to argue over who would get the first pancake, you know, three and five years old. That's right where they're at. And the mom sees the opportunity for a spiritual lesson here. And she says, you know, if Jesus were sitting here, he would say, let my brother have the first pancake. I can wait. Well, Kevin turns to his younger brother and says, okay, Ryan, you be Jesus. We all get a chance to be Jesus, but sometimes it's kind of nice when the other person is Jesus for us, right? 
Well, today, to practice mission with Jesus, we need to know his mission, and we have to ask the question, why did Jesus come to earth? What was his mission? What was his purpose? And I think we can get confused about that because he did so many things, but really we will see. I want to take a look and see from Jesus' mouth himself from some of the many quotes here in the New Testament. What was his purpose? Our theme verse for these series was one of those things. It begins to answer that question. John 10.10 says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full that full life and, and, and abundantly is what some of the translations say, that abundant life. And the verse sounds great. It's awesome. But what does it really mean? Not just that we as believers need to be sure that we're having as full of a life and as abundant a life as we can. Sometimes I think that's where we go as a follower of Jesus. Am I living that full life? Am I experiencing the abundant life? Yes, that's what it's saying, but it's more than that. It's that Jesus came to bring life to the dead and light to the darkness, forgiveness and cleansing from sin, freedom from the curse of death, and, and more. It starts from the very beginning. and Well, let's look at more of Jesus' words. Now, I printed verses. I didn't print them out, just the references. I'm going to read them to you and kind of fairly quickly to go through. I want you to get a feeling for what Jesus said. Here's why I was sent. Here's why I came. John 12, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Mark 10, for even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's why I came. And Luke, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's why I came. And in Matthew, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. John 3, for God did not send his Son into the world to condemn it, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And in Luke 4, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Are you getting a feeling here at the, the same direction? Jesus is using all kinds of different words and different pictures for the same thing. He's bringing liberty. He's bringing life. He's bringing freedom. He's bringing forgiveness. And Jesus heard it, he said in Mark 2, those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick... I've, I've not, I came not to call the righteous, but I came to call sinners. And so we can see from these verses and many others, this theme that goes on that in the midst of all his miracles and his teachings, all the things Jesus came right down and said, I have a mission. I came for a purpose, a very clear mission to totally transform people and offer that as a gift one at a time from the inside out, that transformation. And that mission, and you can write this down, and that mission has become our mission. Jesus had a very clear mission, and that mission became our mission. That's our mission. Now, really ours? Well, yes, we've been given life in Jesus so we can carry on his mission, not just so that we can sit at home and feel good about what he's given us. I, want to, I do. I feel great about what he's given us. But John, uh, 1 John 2, uh, 5 and 6 says, This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. If you claim to be a part of Jesus, Jesus says, you're going to spend time with me, but you're going to become like me, and you're going to do what I did. That's what I do what I did and do what I do. And, and, and that's our series. As followers of Jesus, we must live as Jesus did. That's our calling. That's our purpose. And, and after Jesus rose from the dead, he gave us this charge. And, and Pastor Ron read this earlier out of Matthew 28. Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples, apprentices, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Reach people for Jesus, then help them grow to be like Jesus so that they can reach others for Jesus. Don't lose sight of that. 
We don't reach someone for Jesus and teach them to be like Jesus, end of story. We reach someone for Jesus, we, we, we help them discover Jesus, help them become like Jesus so that they can start impacting their world to reach people for Jesus and help them become like Jesus so they can reach others for Jesus. That's how one person, Jesus, reached the 12, reached the hundreds, reached the thousands, because they did that. They practiced that. And that mission was Jesus that he's handed it to us. He lived his whole life, Jesus did, with a mission. His entire life, each moment of each day, with a missionary perspective. And, and that doesn't mean going to a foreign land. I've got my, an Africa shirt on that, that I brought back this time. It's a wonderful and necessary thing to go to the world, but mission of living is right here. And Jesus practiced that right where he lived, and he passes that mission on to us. So let's take a deeper look today. I spent some time just kind of laying some background, hopefully giving you some thirst and some inspiration to say, yeah, maybe this is worth looking at. And, uh, and uh, I want to take a, looker, a deeper look at practicing mission with Jesus and four simple steps that you can remember and practice today. Okay, so here's a few fill in the blanks. They'll rhyme and hopefully this will impact you a little bit to say, you know, I can do this. It's worth a try. I want to take on Jesus's mission and practice with him. First of all, the first word you're going to write down is care care. It starts with care, and, and I added to that care because Jesus did. And again, it's because I want to be like Jesus. It starts with caring, and I need to care about people the way Jesus cared about people. And, uh, and that's easier said than done, quite honestly, because Jesus really cares about people. And we see in Matthew 9, it says, speaking about Jesus, he said, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus didn't get annoyed at the traffic jam, at the crush of people, he, you know, the mess that's there in a busy place. And, and he saw them, he saw them as lost sheep, each with huge needs. And his heart, his heart went out to them rather than go, oh my goodness, it's crowded over there. Let's go around. <laughs> Instead, he went, wow, these people have needs. And we have a slide. It's not in your outline, but Luke 19, 41 says, as he approached Jerusalem, Jesus did and saw this city, he wept over it. Now, certainly there's a part of it where he, he states some words and recognizes that Jerusalem is, as a city is going to be destroyed and stuff, but his heart for the city wasn't over the actual physical buildings. I mean, they're, they're buildings of stone and clay and whatever they had at the time there, right? It's the people, and he approached the city of Jerusalem, and his heart went out so much at the lostness of the city that he knew it was going to crucify him. And instead of getting mad and turning tail and running, he, he weeps. And I just wonder, how often do I weep for someone who doesn't know Jesus? Does my heart break like that? I realize that Jesus cares in a way that, that I haven't yet grasped. I want to care for people like that. I want to have the heart of Jesus that doesn't see people as inconvenient or bothersome, <laughs> right? Sometimes he says, get out of the way, I'm on my way to something. But it's people who desperately need life and hope. They need what I need. Excuse me, they need what I have. And I need to care because Jesus did. So really, this being missional starts with saying, you know what, I, maybe I just don't care as much as I should. Good start, right? It starts with care. Second one is, second step is prayer. Prayer, because Jesus did. And Jesus practiced prayer, and we've taken a look at that. The series began with, with Pastor Ron uh, unpacking our church prayer for the, for the year that we're practicing. And 
We want to pray secondly. Now, I have to be honest, I hear some of you say quietly under your breath, Pastor John, prayer should really be the first step. Prayer comes first, not the second. It needs to start with prayer. And let me tell you, I'm okay with that if you want to reverse the order, only here's why I put caring first ahead of prayer. Maybe they actually work simultaneously, but we kind of think linearly. But, But here's the issue I have. Sometimes I have a hard time praying for something that I don't really care about. How about you? Someone says that you barely know, says, hey, would you pray for my great-grandmother's nephews, dogs, cats, something or other, and you go, sure, I'll pray for that, Mm." and and you're shaking your head, you're laughing. Does it happen? If you're smart, pray right then in there. If you ever say to someone, you'll pray right then in there, and you head say, Lord, pray, because at least you get it done once, (laughs) right? And, And so you're honest with it. You're all nodding your head, so this is resonating with you. Right now, I went online and there was so much stuff I didn't do it. There are storms and earthquakes and devastation all over the world right now in some crazy places. And, uh, and how many of you are praying about them? How many of you even know about them? Well, John, I don't know. I know, and I'm not going to, I'm not, no guilt trip here, but you don't know because you don't care. I mean, we're busy enough with our own world here that things that are happening over there, we don't really care about them. And so it's tough to really pray about something that's happened over in some obscure city in South America with something going on, right? Because there's things that in your immediate world that God says, I want you praying about, and we care about those things. So again, I just want you to understand if we don't care, we don't pray. At least that's been my experience. And so, so that's why I put care first. It starts with me saying, God, I need to care so that I can pray. And then my first prayer is, Lord, help me pray more. Help me care more. My first prayer is, Lord, I care a little bit enough to start praying, and now give me a bigger heart to care more like Jesus did. That's the beginning of my prayer that will deepen both my care component and the prayer part of it. We also, we need to care and also practice prayer. And one of those first prayers, again, is to, uh, Lord, break my heart the way your heart breaks for them. But our prayer needs to go beyond that. And in your outline there in Matthew 9, it says, Jesus is speaking. And he said to his disciples, as he's looking around at the people, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into its harvest. He's painting a picture again. See, Jesus says to pray for the Lord to send out harvesters, but who's he talking talking to? The harvesters, right? He's not saying to the disciples, go sit down and sit in a prayer room and pray for the next 20 years for God to use somebody else. The The harvest is huge. So yes, by all means, pray for God to multiply it, but get busy yourself. He's saying, pray for yourself to do that. Don't just pray for someone else. You do it. And as we pray, God develops our heart for what we pray for. Again, not in your outline if you want to jot it just for space. Romans 10, 1, there's a slide. Paul's speaking, and he says, brothers, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. That's my prayer, that they may be saved. Now, here in context, Paul is actually praying about the entire Hebrew nation. He's not talking about his best friend and his neighbor. He's talking about all of the Jews everywhere. And, and, and to an extent after that, really for the whole world, his prayer to God following that care because he starts by saying what? My heart's desire, does he care? And my prayer, the care and prayer is right there, is that God, that, that, that they may come to experience the saving power of Jesus Christ. Because Paul cares about Jesus' mission that has been given to him, and he prays for that mission to happen for the whole nation and really for the whole world. So we see it starts with care. 
and I need to have a heart that cares. And then it moves on to prayer, and my prayer starts with saying, Lord, help me care even more. But then I need to be praying for myself and praying for all others. And the third one that rhymes, again, third step of practicing mission with Jesus is be aware. Be aware. Care, prayer as you practice mission with Jesus, and be aware because Jesus did. And again, I reflected on Jesus, and I had to really bring my thoughts down so that we didn't go into tomorrow on this talk. But Jesus was so aware of people, and not just some people, but of all people. I just started thinking through, and if you're new to the Bible and maybe to church, whether you're watching online or here at church, I, I don't have time to develop these stories, but, but my mind went to, Jesus was aware of the high-profile people. Sure, the people that were in his face, the people who clamored for his attention. There was even people sitting by the side of the road that sometimes just shouted at him to get his attention. Son of David, have mercy on me, you know, to get his attention. You know, how do you miss that, right? But Jesus saw everybody. He saw the, the, the woman who touched his cloak and, and some power went out of him, and he stopped. And, and Jesus saw the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, who he, he would never speak to a Samaritan. He would never speak to a woman. He shouldn't even have been in that city, and yet he saw her. He was aware of her, and he interacted with her. Zacchaeus, the short little dude who was a tax collector, the sinner of all sinners, goes up in a tree up high so we can even just see Jesus. And it's Jesus through the crowds, and he stops. Hey, little dude, I'm aware of you, and I'm aware of your need, and I'm aware of that there's a desire in your heart and some thirst that I, can, that I can quench. Come on now, let's do this. You see in Jesus an awareness of even in the midst of the crowds what's going on. There's a person there, and there's a person here. There's a person here. There's a person here. There's an awareness of Jesus all the time, and I want to have that. I want to have that myself. And this awareness point is the one that, that has personally transformed me the most of all of these steps, to be honest, as I saw Jesus do this so well all the time. And I want to clothe myself with Jesus in his awareness. So, so one of my prayers is that God would make me more aware. Remember, care, prayer. But one of my prayers is, God, make me more aware, because I just blow past people, because I'm doing good things. And sometimes people are just in the way. That's just me, right? Not you. I need his, his power and wisdom to be more aware all the time that I would first of all be aware of how I live. Be aware of how I live. And so again, there's a few little things in your outline. Awareness is it starts with me. How I live in 1 Peter 2.12, it says, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Be careful to that because my life is what people see of Jesus long before they hear anything about Jesus, right? So I need to be aware of, well, I'm just doing what I'm doing. Wait, stop. What are you doing? How are you driving? How are you interacting with your neighbors? What words are you saying? What aren't you saying? What do you have time for? What don't you have time for? Your lifestyle. I need to live not legalistically, afraid of ever making a mistake. Because Christians aren't perfect, are they? Absolutely not. But we live with the freedom and the power that the Holy Spirit gives us. We live with integrity, with humility, with compassion, loving my neighbor as myself. The things we've been talking about these past few weeks in these series is we walk with Jesus. And I also need to make sure that I live around people that don't know Jesus. Living around other followers of Jesus is great, and some of us gravitate to that. We spend all our time. I ask some people, like, well, who do you know that, who, who are you praying for that doesn't know Jesus? Well, I don't really know anybody who doesn't know Jesus. Folks, that's a problem. It is. It's a problem. I love your relationships with your believing friends. They're awesome. Don't give those up, but you need to add to it. Right? That whole phrase, no impact without contact. I want to impact the world. I just don't actually want to have any contact with the world. 
can't do it. You can't do it. So there needs to be something more there. So I need to be aware of how I live, both with my integrity, my humility, my compassion, living like Jesus. But also I need to be aware that I need to live with contact with the world. In the world, not of the world, right? But I also need to be aware of, all, of the people around me, and this is all people. And this, I think, is a fill in the blank. Be aware of the people around me and all people, like Jesus did. And most of us have heard that famous verse, John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave... Wait, stop. For God so loved the world. Not some of the world, not most of the world, not a bit of the world, not select portions of the world, not a few countries here and there. God loved the whole world. And that means everybody. That means the lovable people, but that means the unlovable. That means the disrespectful. That means people who vote different than you. That means people who have a different worldview than you do. And I need, to be, I need to be aware of all people around me and look to impact them the way Jesus did and the way he wants me to. So I read about a concept a while back, and if you've taken my 401 class, you've heard this, but um, uh, this has helped me so much care more about all people and be more aware of the people around me. And I'm going to call this the extras concept. And that is that we live our worlds. We have a certain amount of friends and family around us, and we just kind of live our worlds and, and pretend that you're the star of your own movie because the truth is you are the star of your own movie and I don't care how humble you are if your life was a movie not that someone else is shooting but your life is a movie who's the star it's you it's your movie and then the people around you you've got co-stars you've got you know supporting actors and actresses in your movie and you've got some others that have little roles here and there and then there's extras they're the people that you don't even know who they are in the movie you watch the film and they're the people on the sidewalks they're eating at the cafes or they're driving in the lane next door they don't even have a name in the credits they're not listed they're just an extra, right? And so the extras in our movie is it's when you go into the convenience store, you're paying for your gasoline, and it's whatever. Was it a guy or a girl yesterday that I bought gas from? Right? What was her name? What did she, I don't know. It was an extra. I paid with my credit card, and I left, and I did my thing, and I'm going on to do good things for Jesus. That was an extra, right? That was just the person who, who said thank you, and I said hopefully said thank you to or whatever else like that. And what has transformed me is the understanding and the possibility that God may want every single or any single extra that I meet in my life to become a, a bigger player in my life. You know, that person you bump into the movie that all of a sudden there's an interaction and all of a sudden they take on a bigger role and then they get together again and then something develops from them. And the truth is my awareness of, of Jesus's awareness is every single extra was potentially more than an extra. And so I all of a sudden realize as I, as I encounter someone to say, this is someone that Jesus may want me to touch in some way through a word of encouragement, through, through just pausing instead of the 10-second credit card in and out through the 30 or 45-second encounter to actually stop and just ask a name. Hey, what's your name? I haven't seen you in here before at this gas station or at the library or at the gym or whatever else like that. You've been around long? Oh, great. Awesome. Nice to meet you. A relationship begins, and who knows where that goes? I don't have time, but I have many, many stories of how God has, has, has opened doors for me in relationships with people when I took that step. Well, I don't have time for that person. Excuse me? Jesus always had time for people, right? And so this concept, I just wanted to unpack that and throw it at you a little bit, is, is as you become more aware of the people around you, you look to see on top of that as, you be, as, as people are around you and you start to open some doors and ask some names and just kind of see, God, where might this go? This person may be a, five years from now, this person may be one of the most important pe people in my life. 
I don't know. It might be one of the most important people here at Twin Cities Church because they came to know Jesus and stepped in and developed into a leadership role and they become a world changer because you took that moment to be aware of an extra that might be something more in, in their life. And as you're aware of people around you, look to see where Jesus is already working. Someone who's struggling with sickness, with the death of a loved one, with significant problems in life. Because God is already there in the midst of that. And he's working. He's speaking. He's, he's moving in there. And so you look to see what he's doing already and you join him. It's cool to know that we don't have to create these opportunities ourselves. This isn't like you don't surprise God. God goes, oh, whoa, you stop and talk to that person. I wonder if I can figure something out to make this significant. God says, I was waiting for you to stop and talk with that person because you have a word. You have a, a something there to offer that person right now. And I was, I was waiting for that. Thank you for doing that. He's already at work creating kingdom opportunities. Let's just join him. So we need to be aware of people of where God may already be moving and then be ready to move with Jesus. And we'll talk about some ways to do that in point number four. Um, that's really where we're at, though, is we start with care, a heart that cares. And do you? And then prayer that says, Lord, I need to care more, but I need to start praying for myself and others. And then I move into this be awareness thing. Be aware of how I live, but we are, be aware of others around me. And then be aware of where God is already at work and I can join him. And our fourth step then as we, as we practice mission with Jesus is to share and share because Jesus did. And again, I, I put because Jesus did after all these points because our goal is to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did, right? And this is his lifestyle. This is his mission that we've taken. We follow his example of the life of the rabbi, of the perfect teacher. So share. Start by sharing your life. Start by sharing your life. That means intentionally invest time with people. Look for chances to be in relationship with people where you can serve them and show them love and compassion. Sh sharing is, is about way more than serving others, but serving can be a way to open the door to a closed heart. Now, I want to tell you, we put inside your program this little half sheet of some ways you can practice mission by serving others in our community. There's a bunch of our community partners listed here and some of our in-house, well, in but our ministries where we go out in the community. And we wanted to give you this opportunity because serving here, it, it's not instead of doing all the other things we've talked about, oh, gosh, if I can just go help once a week at Interfaith Food Ministries, that'll be my missional part. That's awesome. But you don't do that instead of the care, prayer, be aware, share. It's part of it. You see, as you serve at Interfaith Ministries, you get a chance to encounter people that you can care about and that you can pray for. You can be aware of those people and their needs, and then you can begin to share with them. It's another way for you to connect and intersect with God's purpose and God's plan here in Nevada County. So here's some great things that you can connect with, really, really valuable service opportunities, places to put yourself out in a mission. And rather than turn in the sheet and have us call you and you not call us back, or, you know, sometimes that goes that way for volunteer things. We've just simply put the connection, phone numbers and things like that. If you want to, if God puts it on your heart, yeah, I'd like to help out at, at Hospitality House, or I'd love to see what more about the jail ministry. There's a phone number to call, or there's an email to get a hold of that you can do that, and we encourage you to take that step. This sharing our lives, part of that is serving, and it's very, very important. Again, it doesn't take the place of everything else we're talking about, but it's there. And serving is one of those ministries that, that happens. So you look to share your life uh, in so many different ways. Um, and, but also then you look to share your story. 
So after sharing your life, as a part of sharing your life, you can share your story. And your story about what Jesus has done for you is perhaps the most powerful tool that you have in your missional toolbox, okay? Simply your story. See, people won't be able to argue with how Jesus has changed your life. They won't even necessarily want to. They, they may not understand it, but they won't, they won't want to argue with it. They, they won't try to do that the way that they might do if you just try to present a bunch of Bible verses and, and facts and stuff like that, you know. Um, Jesus, Jesus um, cast out a whole slew of demons out of a man who had been demonized for years in, in Mark chapter 5. And, and then he gives instructions to the man who was set free from this. His life had just had become a mess. And he says to this, he says this to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you care enough to go do that, to go share. Now, now the next point acknowledges the obvious, but, but even though it's obvious, it has to be said when we talk about sharing, because when it comes to sharing, it's not enough to just serve quietly and live a quiet, holy life. Those things are good, but to really share, you need to use words. Write it down. Write it down. You need to use words. See, some of us are so intimidated to say anything spiritual or anything too personal, anything that may be seen as controversial. And folks, I have to tell you, Jesus can be very controversial to some people. He was back then. They killed him for it. Jesus can be controversial, and yet it has to be said. We have to go verbal on this. It says in Romans 10, 14, this is a great verse here too. It kind of is, okay, Lord, a motivation for me. How can they call on him to save them unless they believe? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Jesus is the answer. Do you believe it? Jesus is the answer. A whole bunch of people don't know that. A whole bunch of people aren't coming to Twin Cities Church or one of the other churches or watching online or whatever to hear that. You got to tell them words. Written words, spoken words, how do we communicate through that? See, you are that someone for the extras around you that get elevated into a supporting or even a starring role in your movie. You're that person, and we all need to truly believe Romans 1.16 and act on it. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Words don't have to start with heavy preaching and quoting Bible verses. We haven't even mentioned those things today, and, and, and there may be a time and a place for them, but let me give you some places to start with your words. When you meet people, anybody, and I mentioned this with the be aware thing, ask their names. Start with asking a name. Get their story. Ask about them. I think we get so caught up with, what am I going to say? What if I say the wrong thing? So ask questions and listen. It starts a relationship. What's your story? Tell me about your life. What's going on? People usually like to talk about themselves. So you can talk less about yourself and do more listening and more sharing. Earn their trust. And when you hear about a need or a problem, use your words to offer to pray for them. As I get into relationship with people, as things come up, and when I say offer to pray for them, even be so bold as to ask to pray for them right there if it's not too weird of a place. You know what I mean? You know, there's sometimes where it just, if it's an employee and they're busy serving, you know, it's Panda Express and they're taking your order and something comes up, usually, excuse us, we're going to pray. 
and you know that. But, but more often than you can imagine, a little carve-out fit. So rather than, I'm going to pray for you, which is great, just stop. Can I pray for you right now? Sure. Just, and then keep it quick. Keep it short. God knows. It's not your words that are going to make the difference. It's the Lord who's going to. But just to stop and show that you care to be able to pray for them with words. And at some point, you'll get to share Jesus' story with someone who used to be an extra in your movie, in your life. But now they've got a named role. And who knows where God might want to lead that. You get a chance to share the story of Jesus' love and his forgiveness, of his life and his death and resurrection. That story can be simple as you share about Jesus, the difference he's made in your life. You don't have to go to seminary for it. But if you're not comfortable talking about Jesus, you may need to think it through and work on it a bit. It's, it's too valuable for you not to do that. It's who Jesus was and it's what he did. And we get to do this too. I have to tell you, if you get a chance to come to the Uganda Share today, uh, after second service, we had specifically several team members who were petrified to share their story over there. And we train for this. We go over it. We, we help them craft their story. We practice with each other and stuff. But when it came out to going out into the villages and doing it, there were a couple on the first day who literally were... And I, you know, come to the share to hear more details about it, but they, it's like they couldn't do it. And we literally had to pray spiritual warfare prayers and get into it to say, wait a second here, you're quenching the Holy Spirit. God wants to use you. And seeing the transformation of these couple at one, one older gal, one younger gal, and how God just changed them and opened their mouths to be able to share. And they led people to Jesus their first time of praying and inviting people and actually praying them into the kingdom of God it was so beautiful but that fear component was so much in the way and at some point we need to say I'm not ashamed of the gospel Romans 1 16 for it's the power of salvation for everyone who believes and I'm going to do this because Jesus cared and he prayed and because he was aware and because Jesus shared so Jesus's mission is our mission and we can practice with those four steps to see every waking moment and every encounter not just as something to get through but as a possibility for something God may want to do. I want to have that same heart here that I do in Africa that says this moment right now may be the most significant moment of the year and of this person's entire lifetime. It might be. God lead me. Would you pray with me? Father, thanks for this morning and thanks for the opportunity to um, look at Jesus' mission and to be bold enough to say we want to take that on as our own. God, this is going to take courage. It's going to take inspiration. It's going to take a new heart, the heart of Jesus, as we clothe ourselves with Jesus, God, because we need to carry it a new level. We need to pray at a new level, Lord, and then our awareness and our sharing, God, it all works together. Uh, Lord, but we ask that you build these things into us. Holy Spirit, bring them about in us. Um, love us inspire us, motivate us. And Lord, may we be a caring community that can encourage each other to love and good deeds that you call us to, God. Because you want to transform our immediate worlds, Nevada County, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, God, through our practicing the mission of Jesus. And we love you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.